Uh, we're looking at Isaiah this morning, um, the prophet Isaiah. And I think um, Pastor Doug mentioned this during the uh, Advent series also that Isaiah's rather a, a different prophetic book. In fact, um, there are two such distinct parts to Isaiah that scholars used to think it was written by two different people. Um, the first 39 chapters are called the book of judgment because Isaiah goes through all of the sins, all of the shortcomings of Israel, of Judah, and uh, announces God's judgment through Assyria, through Babylon, and through the captivity that's going to come. Um, a book of judgment. It's, it's a, a hard part of the book to read. And then we get to chapter 40, and it's, it's like a, a sudden switch. And so chapters 40 through 66, the end of the book, are called the book of comfort. Because, you know, Isaiah 40, verse 1, starts off, comfort, comfort ye my people, says our God. And, and now there's hope. And, and there's promise. And it's that first chapter of Second Isaiah, as it's called, that we're looking at this morning. The very end of that, those last few verses, um, well-known passage, beginning at verse 27, and we read this. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord or those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. People of God, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, um, about three generations ago, okay, that's not working. It is working. Did I do that or did you do that? Okay. You might have to do that all day. All right. Um, how many of you have seen the uh, Ford Motor Company's 30H suit? Okay. You're seeing it for the first time. Cool. They're, uh, they're in their third generation already of the third age suit. And it's called the third age because uh, first age is youth. Second age is like middle age, all the working people. Uh, third age is all of us baby boomer types now who um, are probably retired, semi-retired, but we're still ambulatory. You know, we, we still want to go places. We still want to do things. So we're the third age, okay? So 
Ford Motor Company developed this third age suit so that the second age engineers, the 20-somethings, the 30-somethings, they can actually empathize with us, us third age people, of what it's going to be like to, to be our age. And so that they can design vehicles for Ford, and they use these in grocery stores now and so too to figure out how far people can reach and bend. But it's so that the, the 20 and 30-somethings can empathize and better design. And so I don't know, that, that's pretty small to read, isn't it? But they, they have glasses that, that actually um, will show what it's like to have glaucoma or, or what it's like to have cataracts. You know, so those are the glasses that are part of the suit. There's um, braces and a vest so that uh, limited, you know, there's restrictions on movement and, and weight, you know, that, that it's just harder to get around. Um, there's knee braces. There's uh, actually weights on the feet because, you know, some of us, it's hard to get up into that vehicle and to actually lift your foot and, and hit the pedal, the brake pedal or the gas pedal. Um, all of these things so that 20 and 30-something engineers can empathize with third-age people. Now, why we start with that? Because what Isaiah wants to remind us of, what God through Isaiah wants to remind us of this morning, is that every one of us, no matter our age, no matter our needs, every one of us has a God who completely knows who we are, who completely understands our needs, and who promises that he will be there completely for us every time we need him. Not only is he empathetic, but he's able to, to do something about it. This is El Olam, the, the eternal God, the, the everlasting God that we read here. And as we start a whole nother year, I thought it would be a good idea just even though our times change and our bodies change and everything about us changes, it's good to hear this word that we have a God who's always here for us, always, no matter what. So this is, uh, this is what this eternal God promises, okay? First of all, he, he has a priority for us, and we're just going to go through these verses. Um, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded. You, you don't understand me. You don't see me. You know, you don't really empathize with me. Why do you say that? 
Because God's, God's priority for us is that we follow his prompts. We, we make use of his prompts. Okay, how, how many of you have ever been involved in uh, public theater? High school, college, community? One? Oh, two, three, thank you. All right. So, few people anyway. I mean, I, I had the joy in high school. I was in two class plays in high school. It was fun. I was in a community theater um, after high school. Um, you know, you, you get into a part and, and you start to learn your lines and you start to figure out who you are and you rehearse and you rehearse and you rehearse, right? And, and you get more and more into this part and, and then the, the day of production comes and the afternoon matinee or the, the big open evening and you're, you're into this thing and all of a sudden, whew, you're, you've lost who you are. And it's like a blank. Well, there's help for that. There's usually somebody just off stage. At least there was in the plays I was part of. You don't see them from the audience, from the congregation. But you can see them just off the periphery if you're on the stage. And, and you can hear them. And they, they give you prompts. And they remind you of your lies. They remind you of your part. They remind you of who you are. And this is what God is doing in Isaiah chapter 40. Why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord? Why do you say my cause is disregarded by God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Of course they have. Of course they knew. <laughs> every Israelite boy, every Jewish girl, from, from the time they were in the cradle all the way up, they heard all of this stuff about God. They knew all of the stories. They knew all of the redemptive history from, from the very beginning to that point. They knew it. But sometimes we forget. Sometimes we get so caught up in the moment that, that it just goes over our head. And so we need a prompt. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? I want to remind you, the Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. What do you mean he's lost sight of you? What do you mean he can't empathize with you? He's everlasting God. Did you forget? And so, this is the prompt. God is saying, Get your eyes off yourself. 
whatever's going on in, in all of our changes, whatever's happening, put your mind on my presence. I'm with you. I am the everlasting God, El Olam, the God of all ages, the creator of the ends of the earth. Notice he doesn't say the one who's created. He says the creator. God is still creator. You know, the um, James Webb Space Telescope has just come out this year, these awesome pictures. But you know what's happening? I read just a little bit about this. One astrophysicist, when they're seeing these, these more vivid images now of the far reaches of galaxies, one published a big paper and the title was Panic! Exclamation point. Because there are things they're finding out now that aren't according to what they always thought. The Big Bang Theory is even in question. God is still at work. God is still creating. God doesn't fit in anybody's mold. He didn't just create once and he's done with it. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. By the time we're done in our service here this morning, just the time that we've met together, over 15,000 babies will have been born into our world. 250 babies, a little more than that now, over 250 babies born every minute. 15,000 every hour. Those are 15,000 unique creations of God. He is still creating He says, have you forgotten? Have you lost sight of that? I am eternal, everlasting God. I want you to just think about my presence in your life. Because this is the thing that he promises is... He will provide. Okay? We, uh, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Um, he has infinite prosperity. He has infinite riches. He won't ever grow tired or weary. We will never get to the bottom of his wisdom. This is the God who, who is present for us. If we uh, go back the first part of Isaiah chapter 40, and I, uh, I didn't print these out, but if your Bibles are still open, just walk through a few verses. Um, verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. This is the God who has all power. The very next verse, he tends his flock like a shepherd and he gathers his lambs in his arms. He is totally powerful and yet he's uniquely caring for each one of us. Verse 14, 
Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him when he was laying the foundations of the world? God, God has all the wisdom. He doesn't need anybody else for that. Uh, verse 18, with whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? Really? You, you, want, to, you want to have an image? You want to have an idol rather than the real thing? This is God we're talking about. Verse 22, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. He is ruler over all. His, his resources are infinite. And if we uh, go back into the Old Testament, we, uh, we, we have this Timothy Botts calendar. Um, love the calligraphy of Timothy Botts. But there are 16, at least but 16 that I'm aware of, unique revelational names of God given in the Old Testament, each at a specific time in redemptive history that, that reveal something about God's heart for us and God's ability to help us. So out of all of this infinite resources, God says, I can Get rid of your poverty. I can take care of your weakness. I can meet whatever need you have. Whatever it is. So we just look at a, a couple of those names. They start up in the top left. Jeremiah chapter 23, talking about how people are not able to live up to God's righteous standard. And so God is going to send a righteous branch of Jesse. Righteous. Jehovah said canoe, the Lord our righteousness. And we may not think about this often, people, but our biggest need our most basic need is we are sinners, right? And we're asked to stand in the presence of a holy God. We'll never be able to do that. And so God in his grace and his mercy said, I'll take your deepest need and, and I will provide an answer for you. Jehovah said canoe, the Lord our righteousness. He will be righteousness for you and and if we've gone to church our whole lives, if we've gone through the whole Christian school system, but if we've never come to that point where we've said, God, I'm a sinner. I claim the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We need to do that. That's something that has to be done because our deepest need to meet the sin of our lives is to accept the righteousness of God. Or maybe you're in a position like Abraham. Uh, look on the far right side there in Genesis. Abraham was asked to do something that just seemed way beyond. How, how are you asked to, to give up your only son? The heir of all things. God says, I'm going to make a great nation of you. And, and he gives them the son, Isaac. And then he says, lay him on the altar, sacrifice him. 
How can God ask such a thing from us? And sometimes we get to points in our lives and we say, God, how, how can that be? How, how can I do this? I'm not able. You're asking too much. And Abram lays Isaac on the altar and he's ready to, to kill him, his, his only son, the son of the promise. And God stays his hand and, and Abram looks and in the thicket is the ram. And Abram says, um, this is the mountain, Jehovah Jireh, because on this mountain, the Lord provides for his people. God will always provide Whatever, our, whatever he's asking us to do, God will provide. Or uh, maybe you're facing something that's just too big for you. Some stronghold in your life that you can't get rid of. Some habit, some, some thing that has a hold of you and it just seems like this, this giant and you, you feel like David standing up against Goliath, right? And, and everybody say, this is so unfair. How can this be? You can't expect that little, that little squirt to kill a giant. And with one stone, David slays him. And he gives praise to, to Jehovah Sabaoth, Jehovah Lord of hosts, Jehovah, Lord of the angel armies, because there is nothing that God cannot have victory over. This is God's infinite storehouse of riches, his, his, his prosperity that he's willing to share with us. He just wants us to, to realize this, and he has a process for us to go through it. I'm not working again. Can you shoot me on to the next one? There you go. Um, here's the process. Well, we look first that uh, he won't grow tired or weary, but in verse 29, he gives that strength to those who are weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Here's how it happens. Even youths grow tired and weary, young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord, those who wait for the Lord, right? God wants to hear our professions. God will help us when we've reached the point where we're finally done trying to help ourselves. He won't step in otherwise. He won't, he won't step over our will or our willfulness. There has to be a moment when we say, God, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this on my own. I, I need your storehouse of blessing. You know, A.B. Simpson, the... Uh, founder of Christian and Missionary Alliance, 20th century pastor. He called the Holy Spirit of God the great undertaker. Because he said that's, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings us 
to the death of ourselves. When we're on our knees and we say, God, um, my profession is that I can't do any of this alone. Then, then God leads us through these progressions. You know, like a, a good quarterback, you know, you're, you're always looking for the progressions. You, you look at all the options. Um, it, we look at that, though, and we say that, man, that, is that progression or is that regression, right? Start out soaring like eagles and run, and, and then you end up just kind of walking along, right? Well, that's life, right? The, the normal is not the 80-yard touchdown pass. It's nice when it happens, but that's not normal. Normal is, you know, the three to four yards at a crack, you know, the run or the, the option pass or whatever. That's normal. We always want this, this great life and and God says, normal is just putting one foot ahead of the other and trusting me in this. You know, Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, he, he wanted to build huts, right? He wanted to stay there. He says, God, this is great. Let's, let's just be here. This, this is really living. And, and Jesus says, no, real life is, is going down into the demon-possessed valley and just following God there and working for him and so this is the progression our, our life is most of the time not soaring like eagles not running but just walking along one foot in front of the other just being faithful persevering and you see God's promise is I am with you. I am El Olam. I am always present. We, we uh, get caught up in, you know, Peter Pan and Ponce de Leon, Cracker Barrel. Um, Peter Pan never wanted to grow up, right? Don't want any responsibilities. Just let's live like a kid, you know? Ponce de Leon, whether he got a, a rough deal on that or not, but he's always seen as the one who did grow up but, but wanted to find the fountain of youth so he could be young again, right? Cracker Barrel. You go into a Cracker Barrel, it's like walking back in history about 30 years because I guess somehow those were the good old days. You know, if we could only live then, it would be great. El Olam says, I'm your God now. Whatever is now for you, I will be God for you. And I will bring all of my resources to bear so that all of your weak areas can be strong. And to, uh, to help us remember that, I, I encourage you, I invite you to um, pick up. I, I made some little uh, bookmarks. Each one of these, there's 16 different ones. There's 16 um, different colors. 
So there's, there's over 300 of them out there when you go out. But these are God's revealed names in the Old Testament. And the scripture verse where it's found and a, a little history about it. Um, take one with you as you go out this morning. Take one with you into this new year. Um, this one happens to be El Roy, the God who sees Genesis 16 when, um, you know, Abram's maid is put out to pasture with her son and she's crying and, uh, and God sees her in her abuse and, and in her need. And so she says, I have been seen by El Roy, the God who sees. Um, but there are 15 others out there. Take one with you. There's plenty to go around. In fact, you could take two with you this morning. All right, but um, just remember this year that whatever you get involved in, God's with you. He has your back. He loves you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for caring for us so uniquely and so completely. Thank you for your promise that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us, even though sometimes we confess, Lord, we, um, we have a hard time sensing your presence. We just admit to you now, we know it's never you who've left because your promise is to be with us always to the end of the age. We receive that and we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, Amen.